0: NBA and basketball legend Magic Johnson had once said that all kids need is a little help, a little hope, and somebody who believes in them. Author Paolo Coelho said a child can teach an adult three things, to be happy for no reason, to always be busy with something, and to know how to demand with all his might that which he desires. And I'll finish off with something which Nelson Mandela said the great Nelson Mandela, the great Madiba. There can be no keener revelation of a society's soul than the way in which it treats its children. Why are we talking about this? Because this week we celebrate Children's Day in India and very soon across the world. And therefore, we decided to turn our attention this episode on the amazing world of talented children and their exploits, their trials, their tribulations as they kickstart their life in turbo mode Literally. All this in our regular sections and much more as we welcome you back to our podcast. I am Ratin Basu and with me is a man who is forever trying to fight an urge to revert to his childhood days. The man who refuses to grow up, Joy Bhattacharya. And you are listening to Fact of the Matter. Good morning, Joy. Welcome back. Today's a big day because we are talking about children. I know you have two lovely boys. And uh, I wanted to start off, Joy, by telling you whether you are aware why November 14th is celebrated as Children's Day in India when the United Nations
1: has mandated November 20th as Children's Day. But firstly, hi. Hi, Rathin. Wonderful to be back. Yeah, Look, I know that much that November 14th, Chacha Nehru, Nehru love the kids. So November 14th, I know, has to be Indian Children's Day, obviously, yeah. because of Chacha Nehru. I don't know, though, why November 20th is the United Nations Children's Day. Do you have any idea about that? Uh, not really. Maybe I have to find that out. But you know what? I mean, whether it's 14th or
0: 20th, November is the month where we celebrate children all over the world. And today, in main course, I have at least tried to dig out a few stories, some amazing stuff about children who, as opposed to what normal children do, which is, you know, grow up, enjoy life, run around, do a little bit of reading, etc. And generally be happy and carefree. These people started off very fast. So I will kick off main course tonight with some stories of amazing children. And these are child actors from the world of Hollywood. What better to uh, start off our episode than with this? Some very interesting stories. My first story, Joy, is about a bill a legal bill. It's called the California Child Actors Bill, which today safeguards a portion of a child actor's earning into a trust, which matures when the actor themselves reaches adulthood. This law specifies that 15% of a child actor's earnings will be set aside in this trust, and very importantly, it remains outside of the parent's control. Now, this account is called Often a Coogan account and the bill itself is called the Coogan Act. Why it is named after Jackie Coogan, the 1920s child star who you would remember from the Charlie Chaplin movie, The Kid, if I'm not mistaken. And why this happened? Because apparently his parents squandered most of his earnings as he was growing up. So Joy, incredible story. The Coogan Act today ensures that every kid, um, you know, has something saved for themselves.
1: Yeah, in fact, very interesting because he thought his father was looking after his money and his father was apparently doing a great job. But when his father died in a car accident, yeah. his stepfather and his mother, they blew up millions of dollars and uh, poor chap, he had about just about $100,000 left. So finally, I think he got totally broke and Charlie Chaplin had to lend him some money and then this act came about. But uh, it's a its a crazy story. And he never obviously, he made money after that. He was a yeah. decent actor. He, uh, he participated. The interesting thing that I love about it is he served in India. He served in India in the Second World War with the Chindits, the famous Chindits oh, of Lord wow. Wingate. Oh, Jackie Coogan came to India and served there. So I was quite quite delighted to know and he did have a career after that, you know. <laughs> not Of course, not half as successful as he was as a kid, but yeah, he had his career after that. Okay, so I have two quick ones, like again from the world of um,
0: movies and Hollywood um, and I know you will Back it up with something from Bollywood, so that's quite lip-smacking. But before that, let me go into my second anecdote, which is about a, about an actor, child actor, six-year-old boy called Danny Lloyd. Now you would remember him because he played the title role of Danny in the movie The Shining, the horror film The Shining, Stephen King. And the funny part was he had no idea that he was filming a horror movie he was told they were, Amazing. You know, they were making a movie about a family staying in a hotel. And while shooting, the six-year-old Danny was always shown edits which took out the film's scary parts. And apparently, he didn't see the full film and realized that it was a full-on <laughs> super-hit horror movie until he was a teenager. So I thought that was brilliant. Producers, yeah, it's a good and, story. Yeah. Yeah. And third story I have is uh, my favorite out of these three. This is... Obviously, favorite because it's got to do with Harry Potter. Now, Harry Potter and the Order of the Phoenix had something strange happening, a sort of departure from the norm, which is Draco Malfoy, Slytherin superhero and his two acolytes, Crab and Goyle. So, Vincent Crab disappears after Harry Potter and the Order of the Phoenix. Why? Because the actor who played him, Jamie Waylett, apparently was arrested for possession of cannabis in 2009. And apparently his legal troubles didn't stop there. He was also arrested for participation in the 2011 London riots, where, Joy, the courts charged him for violent disorder and accused him of possessing a Molotov cocktail <laughs> <corpus laughs> after rooting at <the> college. <laughs> classic, <B-boy>. classic, 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 <laughs> classic Slytherin behaviour, which is why I think the sorting hat, I, I imagine, would straight away make me a Gryffindor, though uh, a lot of my friends try to push me into uh, Ravenclaw. I don't know why.
1: I think I'm Gryffindor. Um, I don't know whether you have... You're certainly not Slytherin or Hufflepuff. You're certainly not Slytherin or Hufflepuff. Uh, Well, fascinating. But you know, all these people can really go wrong. I mean, the one I wanted to talk about was this uh, Indian lady called born with the name Mehejabeen. Of course, we know her as Meena Kumari. And it's wow. a crazy story. Her parents actually were poor. They couldn't afford to pay the doctors. So they left her in an orphanage for a while. Then they changed their mind. They bought her back. And at the age of four, she basically was cast in a film called Leatherface and she was paid 25 rupees. And from then on, she was the person running the family. Okay, right. She right. obviously, she was admitted in a school, but she couldn't go to school because she'd have to go and shoot in films. Mm-hmm. But she was so interested in reading that she'd carry books all over the place. Later, of course, you know, she became a poet. She wrote great poetry. She was nicknamed Reading Mehjabin" because whenever she was in set, she'd bring books to read. And that's not surprising because her mother... Yeah. is distantly related to the Tagore family. So I, I just find it absolutely fascinating. Jeans can't go anywhere. I mean, she had that literary genes in her. I mean, there are so many stories, Joy, about actors and actresses from that
0: generation. I, I don't hear too many now because I guess the uh, the, the economic situation maybe has changed significantly. But Aruna Irani <laughs> is another example. I mean, I read in a book about her where she started very young and there are many such examples. I mean, even Rekha probably
1: started yeah. very young. Some in there reasons. One is uh, poverty. The other is if your parents are in the family and they have a lot of things. Say so, Amir Khan, he yeah. get you know cast yeah. because you know just he's there in a film. So Amir Khan's first film we all talk about Kayamat Se Kaya Tak. He actually appeared in Yadu Ki Barat, as an eight year old in 1973. And his nephew Imran Khan, who of course he gave that big break to in you know Janetu Ya Janena, he actually first appeared in Kayamat Se Kaya Tak as a child star. So I think it goes in the family. If you are one of those you know filmy families, Shashi Ka and all these guys they keep appearing in films because they have to be there. but the best story i have about all this is shirley temple because we all know that shirley temple is this amazing child star so she was about eight nine years old when somebody went and asked her that shirley do you believe in father christmas and she turned around and said no i don't and they asked her why and she said the last time i went up to santa claus uh, it was at a you know at a mall and Santa Claus asked for my autograph, and after that, I've never believed in well, the <laughs>
0: <laughs> That's fantastic. That's fantastic. I mean, talking of uh, Meena mm-hmm. Kumari and books, by the way, I have to tell you one bit which I which I found very fascinating was um, ex chief minister, and now I mean uh, she's she's no longer with us, but ex chief minister and. A, Political superstar from Tamil Nadu, uh, Jailalita, apparently was also a very keen reader of books. And apparently, she I, I heard an interview where she said that this is something I picked up from my school and college days. And every day before going to sleep or before she would pick up a book and and you know keep inculcating that habit.
1: I, I love it, and you know we 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 live, live, have these stereotypes that you know actress doesn't know anything and all that. And it's so not true. So many of them, the, the, the surprising number of them are really well-read, really inquiring people. And actually, sets are the best place to read books because, you know, you could do nothing else in a film set. You had, And most of a set, most of film shooting is about waiting for lights, waiting for this. So if you were a reader, you could really spend a lot of time reading. Absolutely. Absolutely. And, uh, you know, just to finish off
0: main course and all this, I also read about Judy Garland, right? And you were talking about Shirley Temple. Judy Garland with wizard of Oz, right? And, you know, it made her a worldwide sensation. But she had a very tough time. And uh, A, she was um, not allowed to eat whatever she wanted, because they wanted to keep that sweet cherubic look. And then apparently... Uh, she was. She went on a crazy course of um, amphetamines and sleeping pills. Amphetamines to keep her energy levels up during the daytime on shooting and then sleeping pills at night to quickly bring her down. And that affected her in, in the long run. But the best is, uh, if you remember, Jerry Maguire that lovely, yeah, lovely movie and that little kid with the buck tooth and the specs, a yeah. uh, guy called Jonathan Lipnick if yeah. I remember and I found out today yeah. he's a mixed martial arts instructor in <laughs> <laughs> wow that's amazing that's a good story. Just, just search it out in the internet you'll see how he looks like oh, today. I must look at it. he's a bright sharp young man with massive MMA uh, you know expertise and he's today he can he can beat the shit out literally uh, pardon my French but he can for you know if anybody tries to you know step in but I thought that was nice I mean there has to be some feel-good
1: stories as well but oh yeah I have one story I must end with which is about one of my favorites you know children it's to do with Mozart and all of us know that Mozart was a genius as a child he'd been composing stuff since he was five years old what a lot of people may not know was that his elder sister Naneri Right. She was the original prodigy in the family. So Mozart got a lot of his exposure because her father would take Nanneri around from place to place and have her sing because she was such a beautiful singer. Mm-hmm. And, you know, she was a keyboard player. She was a singer. So he basically learned, started picking up from his sister. But there's a very, very interesting story about when he went to listen to something in St. Peter's Basilica in Rome. Okay. And there's this uh, Allegri's... Miserere, which is a choral favorite. And the big thing was it was never performed anywhere else because it was considered to be a closely guarded secret. So the only way you could listen to it, and if you get a chance, go and listen to it on YouTube. It is truly beautiful. You can only hear it inside St. Peter's Basilica. Okay. And in 1770, a 14-year-old Mozart is taken out there and he reaches and he loves it and he goes inside and then he listens to it. And he found it so heartbreakingly beautiful he went back and the entire piece of music he wrote down from memory. Wow. And and he did not miss a single note. And not only did he do that, after that, he went back two weeks later just to check whether he'd got every chord right. And he had. And that's how Allegri's... Miserere got known to the world. Before that, it would never, never be performed anywhere else. But once Mozart wrote it down and transcribed it, after that, the world could know it. But to that long a piece of music to just remember it in your head and to transcribe it perfectly as a 14-year-old is just incredible. Incredible. That's that's genius for you. And that's why
0: Mozart's Mozart. That's that's phenomenal. But the end main course with one small nugget, which I found, which is, again, more trivial and, and has probably a very, very uh, far-fetched relationship to children and whatever we're talking about, which is Malala Yousafzai, Nobel laureate from Pakistan, Nobel Peace Prize laureate, and everybody knows the story of she was shot by terrorists, etc. And then she came back, very well-known all over the world for her position on post of issues. But... This is some interesting news. She's recently got engaged and married to a very nice chap called Asa, who Joy I found out was used to work as a high performance manager for Pakistan cricket, which I thought is yeah, good yeah, of,
1: yeah. Uh, He's in the PCB, yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: Good uh, amongst his many jobs, and and apparently they met in Oxford when Asa was in England, and that's how they met each other. But I thought, you know, all the best congratulations to the newly wed uh, couple and. Um, May you go from strength to strength. But that's that's a wrap for main course. Uh, children, fascinating how at such a young age, Joy. I repeat what I said earlier. When the rest of the world. If you're a child, you are doing different things, going easy, learning, grasping. These are people who are starting to take their, you know, like you said, the family's entire financial burden on their shoulders, broad shoulders, really broad. And then making a massive effort to make sure that everybody's doing all well and doing all right. But we move on now. To crazy news, weird facts, as promised, this is Believe It or Not, the section where we have some incredible news stories. I have a fascinating group of stories. But first, Joy, what do you have for us today in Believe It or Not? Uh,
1: I have a story I quite like. eh? It's it's weird, but it's also very interesting. So, uh, Minati Patnayak lives in Katak City and she has a few relatives. uh, But she has decided to write off or give all her assets, okay, Hmm. to... Buddha Samal, who's a rickshaw puller there. And she's signed in the court document. She's donating all her property voluntarily so that tomorrow he doesn't get into trouble. And what I love about this story is why she's doing it. So, you know, her she has relatives in the city and this, there's quite a bit of property. It's a three-storied house. It's a crore of jewelry. Right. There's quite a bit out there. And she said that six months back, she lost her husband to COVID. Okay, Okay. And then she lost her daughter subsequently, really sadly. So within a year, she lost all family and none of her relatives came to help her. None of her relatives rallied around. Mm -hmm. And she said, why should I give it to people who didn't care? And she said, nobody came, called me, but Buddha, Samal and his family have looked after me for the past 25 years. They've taken my daughter to school. They've looked after me and in the worst of times they were there and she's decided to give a whole of property to them. And it's fantastic. And what yeah. I like about it is because it's now in the news, Yeah. I don't think the relatives can even get in through the back door because now it's become a cause celebre. you know. Correct. Right? Correct. And I'm really happy that it's happened. That's fantastic. That is, that is brilliant. But,
0: My story is slightly different, Joy. It's about, and it's it's crazy enough. It's about a host of anecdotes I've managed to discover about a cricketing legend from Pakistan called Inzamam-ul-Haq. All of us have heard about him. Nineteen ninety-two, Australia-New Zealand World Cup. He makes his uh, you know breathtaking appearance or his debut, and Pakistan went on to win that World Cup as well. So he apparently played for Multan Division in Pakistan, and, and. the internet says that he's had a verbal contract with them that if he scored 100, he wouldn't have to field and he could sleep whenever he wanted. And he made sure that there was a court placed at every match venue just for him. And he would score tons of hundreds and then not field and just go there and
1: uh, chill out. I thought this was pretty, pretty great. <laughs> and you have to be that good a batsman to be allowed that but I can completely and, believe that of Inzi.
0: And what is it about Pakistani batting superstars and sleeping? I, I know Zaheer Abbas apparently used to sleep just before he went out to bat regularly during test matches irrespective of the pressure or the position his team would be in. I mean, this is unbelievable. And But but carrying on with Inzamam, this also talks about his uh, his purported laziness because uh, he's, he's been run out about 40 times in his OTI career but a lot of people say that he must have run out his partner at least 80 times and uh, you know there are many many funny stories but about his laziness, they said that during training, the Pakistan team is to play touch football. But Inzamam was so lazy that he didn't like to run much. And he made a rule that no one should come near him and take away the ball if it came to him. <laughs> so, obviously, Eunice Khan and Shahid Afridi, two other great Pakistani cricket legends, finally once decided enough's enough and took the ball away from him. And he got very angry and it became a massive issue which had to be sorted, you know, by various people coming in and stepping in. But um, the best story I heard was that in the 1999 World Cup, which was be played in England, the Pakistan coach, Richard Pibus, decided that everyone would learn how to slide while fielding, as you know, a lot of other teams had started doing it to save runs. Inzamam Imam raised his hand slowly in the team meeting and said, I will not be able to do it. And when asked by Pipers why, he said, I have a bad knee, painful hip, and a sore neck.
1: <laughs> but you know, Inz always, whenever you tell me Inz stories, it reminds me of this great story Wasim used to say about him in Sharjah. And Wasim and, and he are batting. This is a young Inz. You know, it's not even. Wasim is a senior guy in the team. Uh, you know, he's a superstar and he's coming to bat. And Inz is batting beautifully. And it's the last ball. And basically Wasim says, look, it's the last ball. Whatever happens, and Wasim is batting. Uh, sorry, Wasim is at the non-striker's end. He says, We must change ends so that you get strike on the other end. And Inzi sort of nods very reassuringly. Of course, of course. And Wasim goes back. So the moment the ball deli- bowler delivers, Wasim Inzi takes a swing, misses. Wasim charges down. And Wasim says that I ran <laughs> for my life. I dived in, it's Sharjah, it's dusty, it's hot. I dived into the pools and I said, Oh, I've reached. <laughs> And then I hear a voice right next to my head saying, uh-huh. Are Vaseem bhai, aap yahan? And he looks up and he sees Zinsabam still standing in his crease looking down at him. And once, there's nobody at the other crease. Inzi didn't even run. And Wasim no. was cursing. He says, the way he said it as if I've just, you know, rung the doorbell and come to him for breakfast or something. You Wasim bhai, aap yahaan? I mean, and this no. never this story. Just never forgets the story. Just to add some
0: perspective for our listeners. It translated into English, that means, Vaseem by what are you doing here? Right? My dear brother, Vaseem, yeah. what are you doing here? Yeah. Oh brother, what art thou doing here? You know, like that. And, uh, yeah. the, the actual story was joy. I mean, A, Insubham was tired. It was a match against West Indies. As you rightly said, in Shaja. And, uh, it was a brilliant yorker from Am- from curtly ambrose right so it hit him on the foot and inzamam when trying to keep the ball out from hitting the stumps actually fell down so Imagine Inzamam, I mean, if he's fallen down after a Yorker, you cannot expect
1: him to get up and run. There is no way no. he will run. But I get it. I can imagine that Vaseem should have been grateful that Inzamam yeah. didn't fall on top of him. Exactly. Because that's the that, that exactly. could have been far more dangerous. And in the 1992 World Cup
0: semi-final joy, this was uh, in New Zealand. If you remember, uh, Pakistan beat New Zealand who were playing tremendously Mark. Greg Batch and Deepak Patel remember how they were taking every uh, yeah yeah the dibbly dobbly world bowlers Kevin and, Larson and yes and the small grounds and Greg Batch would come and just you know hammer everybody out of the match it's of had asked the team manager on the night before the semi final for some sleeping pills well, whatever jet lag etc maybe he just just wanted to sleep well but he got something else and that resulted in an upset tummy so he only played after being assured mm. by his captain Imran and I I I don't know whether this is an apocryphal story, but it sounds pretty okay, that he would bat at number six and during the team's fielding, he would be allowed to go off. So, even in a World Cup <laughs> semi-final, he managed to negotiate that,
1: you know... And he was quite game. thin then. I remember him. Uh, I remember he was a teenager then. Correct. So, you know, he's, he started early, I have to say. This, but he won them that match. Absolutely. He
0: won them that match and uh, and that's, that's how the world came to know about him. Right? So, it was absolutely yeah so that's it I mean that's that's uh, believe it or not for this episode um, and we'll go into a short break now but before we take that we'd like to remind our listeners that you can send us your feedback suggestions answers to all our quiz questions to this email address matter india at gmail.com you can also catch all our episodes on Amazon Music Apple Podcasts Spotify Google Podcasts Report Stitcher basically on whichever platform you prefer for listening to audio episodes. Please click on the follow button and um, that'll ensure that you automatically get informed whenever a new episode drops. You can also check our website, anchor.fm slash fact of the matter and leave your feedback. That's it. Back soon. Welcome back. And as promised, we will straight away jump into our next section called, it's still called cute words and phrases, isn't it, Joy? You haven't changed it. Next, uh, next episode, I need some options. Let's let's change things around. Let's call it something, whatever. But anyways, it's cute words and phrases. And without any further ado, Joy, what do you have for us? Is it linked to our theme of children by any chance, or whatever? It's what what is it you have for us?
1: Yeah, look, I I have I have two which are related to the same person. So, you know, basically there was a Queen Mary of England and she was known as Bloody Mary which is where your Bloody Mary comes from. Okay. And I discovered that there are actually two nursery rhymes that are named after her. Mm-hmm. Now, the first one is obviously easy one. Mary, Mary quite contrary because she was a Catholic and she would actually go after all the Protestants. Mm-hmm. And so she would, hundreds and hundreds of Protestants would be, you know, they would be killed and Silver bells and cockle shells are not just things that you put in the garden. They're actually torture devices as well. So Mary Mary, quite contrary, is all about, you know, the bloody reign of Queen Mary. And because she was so bloodthirsty, apparently there's another one about her, which is three blind mice. And the three blind mice were supposed to be three Protestant bishops, Hugh Latimer, Nicholas Radley and the Archbishop of Canterbury, Thomas Cranmer. And they tried to overthrow her. They got caught and they were burnt at the stake. So they were the three blind mice. Their tails were not cut off. They were actually burnt at the stake. But I mean, think about it, you know, these innocent, innocent nursery rhymes. And it's all about one bloodthirsty lady who just killed people who didn't believe in her religion. Unbelievable, and you know, in continuing in the same
0: theme of nursery rhymes, the one I have is very similar. Joy, like you said, it's Baba Black Sheep. Have you any wool? Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Three bags full. It's the same thing. It's is it a song about sheep? No. Apparently, this song can have a couple of interpretations. The most common one was that it was written as a protest against the medieval English wool trade tax of the 13th century. Now, the wool trade was so big that Edward I apparently levied a heavy tax. And under that decree, a third of the money made from a sack of wool went to the king. And the remaining two thirds went to the farmer and the church, thereby leaving no money for the little shepherd boy. However, this this sounds to me believable. You know, uh, but another interpretation of the rhyme is it, that it talks about the slave trade. Then, according to many people, the reason why they believe the song is about slavery is because of the words master and black and is therefore racist and offensive to black people. Now, the perceived racially offensive nature of the song has led to many kindergarten teachers banning the lyrics or making it less offensive by changing the word black with other words such as happy, little and sad. So that's nice. That's interesting. And rainbow.
1: They call it Baba Rainbow Sheep as well, which I find the height of political correctness. But none of this really works for me. I mean, uh, we just need to find new nursery rhymes because some of the old ones are truly bloodthirsty. But it's very interesting. Fairy tales, nursery rhymes, the two most innocent things that you read about. Yeah. All of them, when you go back and look at the original versions, I mean, Snow White and the Seven Dwarfs, it's like a crazy story, you know. And these, you know, she was actually her mother in Cinderella had this story about people dancing to death, and none of these were very, very bloodthirsty Ringer. stories. I wonder if the children were told those stories. Yeah, Ring a Ring a Rose's Pocket Full of Posies. That's about the Great London Plague, right? I mean, uh, yeah, yeah, I, I, had, I had no clue. Uh, I mean, and even today, I, I guess a lot of. Uh, actually, there's a there's a Bengali origin also. There's a, a Bengali poem, which is again, a, a Lullaby sung to children. Mm-hmm dhan, it's all about dhan, you know, about grain and we can't give it, the birds have eaten the grain because we've got to give it to the borgi and the borgi were basically the Maratha invaders who come into Bengal. So a whole nursery rhyme or a lullaby is all about basically people from the Marathas coming across, you know, taking pillaging the land, taking all the grain and taking it away and these people not having the grain to pay them. So all nursery rhymes or lullabies seem to have fairly bloody origins. Interesting.
0: Fantastic. I mean, those were the, the Marathas. They used to have two kinds of taxes. One was called Choth and one was Sardesh Mukhi. Choth was basically one-fourth yeah. of whatever grain you produced would be immediately taken away. And um, I think, I don't know, if Sardesh Mukhi was almost like an educational set sort of thing on top yeah. of that or something. But uh, yes, and there are very famous songs also in, in Bengali music history and will switch yeah. where the Borgis or point to be honest, no connection with the Borgias, who also had the tendency to take away a lot of stuff from people, but uh, the Borgis would definitely come in and create a lot of havoc in rural Bengal. I think it was good. They gave a a sort of a kick up the backside of these lazy, indolent Bengali genteel
1: for, <laughs> for that's me. a horrible stereotype. Oh, that a stereotype, a stereotype that is a terrible stereotype that is a terrible stereotype for me eating their <laughs> rasgullas and you know and decide what
0: fish to have for lunch and then the, suddenly the news comes that the borgies are around the corner so let's you know let's let's try and raise a battle cry which they would do for two seconds and then quietly sit back and give all the grave and uh... have some biryani while we are at it you know like now I don't know I'm stereotyping heavily and I, apologies to all Bengalis this was just said in jest but anyways that's uh, cute words and phrases and now it's time where we try and bluff each other. This is bare naked lies. Yes, Joy. We ask each other a question for new listeners and we try to bluff each other so that, you know, answers have to be true or false. And we each take turns to ask the question to each other and try and win the particular bout. So today, Joy, first blood, I think last time around you won, if I remember correctly, after two draws. It's
1: been a while since I have
0: won anything, but today let's see where it goes. What's your question, Joy?
1: My question on this week's Bare Naked Lies is that we all know of Maharaja Ranjit Singh, you know, probably the greatest of the Sikh monarchs. Mm -hmm. His capital was in Lahore. Ranjit Singh's will, you know, he had the Kohino diamond, the biggest or the most famous diamond of his time. His will said that the Kohino diamond be donated to the Jagannath temple in Puri after he died. Is this true or not? Of course, it wasn't given to them. But did he actually will it to the Jagannath Temple, Puri? It sounds magnificently
0: improbable. And knowing you, it's probably completely false. Why on earth? Jagannath Temple is in the eastern seaboard of India. Ranjit Singh was northwest. I'm sure he couldn't even spell the word Jagannath. But, you know, you've been playing a lot of these games with me over the last few episodes. And I want to call your bluff. And I will say, this is, this is true. I'll, I'll take a chance and go with you. That's, that's
1: well, 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 it is true. Oh, it is true. He's yes, yes. He wanted to give it to the Jagannath Temple Puri. I have no idea why. Why? And yes. of course, uh, the British actually picked it up from them and gave it to Queen Victoria. Obviously, they didn't listen to him at all. And you know where it's ended up. With As most things in the world have ended up in the British Museum. Okay, your turn. Okay, my question is this: You all know of the
0: nursery rhyme "Jack and Jill." Jack and Jill went up the hill to fetch a pail of water, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Now, there is one theory which says they represented Louis the, Louis XVI and his wife Marie Antoinette. But the other one is there's another popular theory, which is my question, is that it is about King Charles the First of England and his plans to increase taxes imposed on alcoholic beverages. And apparently, after Charles I tried to levy high taxes on alcohol and went to the parliament, got rejected. He went about to achieve this aim in a very clever way by maintaining the tax rate on alcohol, but ordering that the volume of a jack, known as which is half a pint, and gill or jill, which is a quarter pint, be lowered. So the tax rate was same, but the amount of alcohol you could serve was changed. So Jack fell and Jill came stumbling after is basically the volume falling. And uh, he succeeded indirectly in achieving a tax reform on alcoholic beverages despite the parliament veto. It's a long question, but this theory, what I said, is this
1: true, probable, or I just made it up? Okay, I'm just going to go and I'm going to say... It's true only because it's too long to make up. It's a too long a story to make up. So I'm going to say this is true. This actually happened because, and Jack and Gill is such a bad pun that it can't be anything else. It Thank is you. true. There, there is. In fact, this is one of the
0: most popular and probably scientifically backed theories because ah. it actually I
1: thought I thought it was all about doing the 16th. Yeah I didn't know no, it was about there, this. there
0: oh, was wow. I mean this I mean, this could well be somebody else making this up but this is uh, the second theory which is available so behind the origin of Jack and Jill. Yes so you are right. So it's one all both of us managed to avoid being fooled and I think honors even. So with that we quickly move into our last section which is for you learned listeners where we ask you a question um, every week and in our last episode we had asked you a question from Joy and this that one I remember was very interesting in the world of sport so Joy um, can you tell us what the question was and the answer
1: the question is basically what which book got its title from somebody walking to a dressing room after being hit by a ball and saying something and the answer is, it was, the name of the book is, You Guys Are History. This is Devin Malcolm. Devin Malcolm basically was hit by a ball, bouncer from Fanny de Villiers, mm-hmm. And after that, he got so angry, he ran into the South African dressing room and said, You Guys Are History. He took 9 for 57 in the second innings. The 6 best bowling figures in test history. And England won by 8 crickets. So, this is the title of a book inspired by a bouncer from Fanny Divideus. That was my question.
0: Fantastic. Lots and of
1: correct answers, Rotin. Yes, we have lots
0: of correct answers from Neeraj Dube, Saurav Shukla, Shantanu Sharma, Rohit Jadav, and Tonmoy Chakraborty, amongst others. So well done. This is
1: fantastic. Lovely, lovely question. And Joy, what's the question for this episode? This poem is one of the most famous poems. It was published in 1898, that means it's late 19th century. Mm-hmm. But the author's name, when it was published, was just given as C dot Which poem? And why did he give this strange title as his title as C.3.3? Okay, I won't, I won't try right now. I'll leave it to
0: every listener to try and decipher this and come back. So how do you answer this? You First, decide on what the answer to the question is, which Joy just asked, and then you write your answer straight to factofthematterindia at gmail.com. And that brings us to the end of this episode, another episode. And before we go, once again, I'd like to remind our listeners that you can write to us at factofthematterindia at gmail.com. You can catch this episode and all our episodes on Amazon Music, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and every other platform you prefer. Click on the follow button, give us your suggestions your feedback positive negative everything and also check our website anchorfm slash fact of the matter but with that with a lot of you know uh, good wishes to all the children all over the world keep on doing what you're doing uh, and make sure that you're finding enough time to enjoy as well this is uh, a big, big goodbye for us this week
1: stay safe and stay well bye